This is on the left side. The funny football show. Goes for it again. Oh, Liverpool's Egyptian king with another crowning moment in the Champions League. Hello, nice to see you. Thanks for coming back to check me out, cracking jokes and having a good old dig through the latest football news. If this is your first time, wowzers, are you in for a treat? So make sure you subscribe to the podcast as soon as you've finished listening so you get the next show when it's ready. And you can start listening now. Last week's FA Cup semi-final between Manchester United and Tottenham passed by without any real surprises. Jose Mourinho did what he does, and that's just enough to keep his greasy fingertips on the chance of winning something silver and shiny come the end of the season. And Spurs did what they do, bottle it when it matters most. Even a cheeky little tweet from the FA Cup's official Twitter account seemed to pass by without too much of a fuss when they posted the tweet What's that in your pocket, Chris? and a video of Chris Smalling replying Harry Kane It's nice to see a bit of personality from an official footballing account, isn't it? What's that? Oh no, sorry, I forgot. It's not. By Monday lunchtime, the Football Association had been forced to apologise for the banterous social media post and said they'd written to both clubs to apologise for any offence caused after the teams reportedly took a dim view. Who exactly is getting offended by that tweet? Maybe, at a push, Harry Kane might be a little bit knocked. Which leads me to ask the question, what kind of hold does the England striker have over English football's governing body. Does he have explicit photos of Martin Glenn and Dareth Southgate busy knocking balls into the box, if you know what I mean? I'm beginning to think that Harry is just, in fact, the master of mind control and has some Darren Brown type abilities up his sleeve. First, he convinces the dubious goals panel that he did, in fact, score the most dubious of all goals. And now he's managing to mind-bend apologies from the FA for a light-hearted dig. With that kind of talent, I'm amazed he didn't walk away with the PFA Player of the Year award this week. Sorry, Harry, but if you don't have your invite with you, you can't come into the awards. You don't need to see my invitation. We don't need to see his invitation. Mo Salah isn't the player you're looking for. Mo Salah isn't the player we were looking for. I can go and pick up the award myself. Come on now, mate. That goal was one thing, but player of the year, fuck off. Move along. (coughs) Don't forget your violin. Wanker. Mind games didn't work, however, and it was, of course, the Egyptian king, Mo Salah, who walked away with the quite impressive big piece of silver tat awarded to him by the PFA. It was never much in doubt that the Liverpool striker would bag the big individual award to cap what has been a remarkable individual season, which Twitter accounts at Sporf highlighted with their rundown of his achievements this term. PFA Player of the Year, Africa Player of the Year, Arab Player of the Year, Premier League Top Scorer, World Cup Qualifier and Runner-Up in the Egyptian Presidential Election. Wait, wait what? That was the last one again? Runner-up in the Egyptian presidential election. I've checked that out, and it's true. Although he didn't actually run for the office of Egyptian president. Salah is such a hero in his home country that when the Egyptians went to the polls earlier this year, a million of them crossed out the other candidates' names and wrote down Salah's instead. 
meaning he wasn't that far off getting voted in. That kind of thing just would not happen over here. No one would even consider possibly electing the average English top flight footballer into a position of government power. If you did, you just end up with a government full of overpaid, underperforming, sexually indiscreet people with dodgy polit... Oh, hang on. Well, essentially, you'd end up with younger versions of Boris Johnson. Maybe we could do some kind of swap deal. Having seen Boris playing in that soccer aid tournament, and given that he isn't afraid of giving Russia an earful, he'd probably do a decent job in the World Cup. And then we could just send one of the English players over to handle Brexit negotiations. That should get us out of Europe in no time. One man who wasn't quite so lucky at the PFA Awards was Raheem Sterling, who missed out on the young player gong to teammate Leroy Sane. A fact which I'm sure will have him in tears as he parades around Manchester on an open top bus in a few weeks time with the Premier League trophy. But clearly it's something the Daily Mail think he should be very, very sorry for. Raheem Sterling decided, the day following the ceremony, to eat breakfast. I know, the man's a maverick. Well, the Daily Mail journos were not happy with that choice. Raheem Sterling treats himself to breakfast despite missing out on Young Player of the Year. How dare he? How could he possibly even consider that he deserves breakfast when a teammate of his has been judged to have a marginally better season than he had just a few hours earlier? I bet he did some breathing as well. Bloody footballers and their breathing. I'd like to ask the Daily Mail this. At what point does it become socially acceptable for Raheem Sterling to eat again? Of course, it is vital to the Daily Fail's journalistic approach that Raheem Sterling is not only shamed for eating some breakfast, but also that he's got a nice car that he spent his hard-earned money on and that he went to a pretty fancy place to eat his brekkie. This is not the first time that a young, black, rich footballer has been scrutinised by the paper for spending their money or not spending their money, depending which way the breeze is blowing that day. I'm not suggesting this is a bias by the paper in any way, and I'm sure that all those things are just coincidence. And plus, I, I must confess, I haven't actually read the paper, but I'm sure it contained equal coverage of each and every one of the 499 Premier League players that would have had breakfast that day and covers those stories in full. Maybe it's time that we A, stop having a go at rich young footballers for spending some of their money and B, have a few exposés on male journos and what they have for breakfast despite churning out such vile guff. That's assuming they have time for breakfast and they're not just busy sobbing uncontrollably in the shower every morning considering what they've done. What's more, if you're going to write a story on someone's breakfast I actually want more details. Did Sterling shun a square sausage and bring some bacon in off the bench? Did he fail to hit an eggy target with a toast point from two centimetres out? Or, with it being Raheem Sterling, the really big question is, did the breakfast go down nearly as easily as he does? That is us done for another show. Thank you for coming. Come back on Thursday for the very next episode, yeah? Make sure you subscribe to get that and follow us on Twitter at on the left side. I will see you on the flip side. And by the flip side, I mean the next show. Bye. On the left side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio. Hold up. 